You are now tuned in to Music, Men, and My Mental with your host, C. Devone, tackling all things career, relationship, and your overall health. Trifecta. Let's get to it. Let's start the show. Okay, thank you for tuning in to Music, Men, and My Mental. I am C. Devone, your host for today and, and all the times, but... Uh, I just want to say um, thank you guys, especially for Rooftop Yoga. Um, thank you to everyone who participated, to the attendees, to the the host and um, people who donated their time, their money. And I'm just so thankful for this wellness experience under the Music Men in My Mental podcast. So thank you for that. Um, we are going to check in with ourselves. You know, how is your career? How's your relationships and how's your overall health? Take that moment and just check in with yourself. Um, And normally I would check in with myself with you guys, but I'm just switching it up all the time. And I have my my guest today, but I like to do it as a co-host thing. And her name is Dre Brown. Uh, She's actually a bison as well. You know, I got my Howard University shirt on for those who can see, and for those um, you know, who can't see, you know, I am a proud bison. Hate you. And um, she is a celebrity makeup artist, groomer, extraordinaire, speaker, uh, motivator. And uh, w- introduce yourself, please. Hi, folks. This is so fun. Thank this you. is fun. We're, we were laughing before the oh, podcast hi. even started. This is kind of like what we do when we do your makeup. Yeah, we hang out or anything. True. Um, thank you for letting me be your co-host tonight. Yeah. Ew. Ew, ew. Um, yeah, you. I mean, you said all of that, and that was a very wonderful, robust intro. But yeah, I do. I do all those things. I pretty much am just a creative um, entrepreneur that loves to engage women and elevate us mm-hmm. and. Create joy and make Create dope joy. content. Make people smile. Mm-hmm. You know, make cheekbones look good. Make cheekbones look good. But the clients that you've had, I mean, you have worked with so many celebrities. See the one. I mean, oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> the most popular person, right? Um, worked with all types of celebrities on movies and, and TV sets and flourishing through Essence Festival as I see her walk in and I'm like, oh, I wish you could have done my makeup. I'm not doing makeup for Essence Festival. I am here to be on panels and to be moderating and to be flourishing like the Popeye's chicken sandwich that I am. Girl, I'm trying to tell you, it ain't good if the bun ain't a little wrinkle. You said what? You know the Popeye's bun is all wrinkled when you bring it out the package. <laughs> but you know that it's good because it's like been steamed and steamed. I'm, I'm not, not a Popeye's chicken. And I'm also gluten-free, so I don't even know what the sandwich tastes like. But word on the street is it's popping. But, yes, I would like to think that I, um, you know, that I would have done your makeup anyway. But the real thing is that I was there to... Really in a different capacity. Yes, I, I was just kidding. And she, Mama, just don't looked, go nowhere without a brush. That's right. And you, you are amazing. Um, so for today, um, which is funny because um, I remember you talking about being an influencer in the, you know, motivating women to be beautiful inside and out because you wanted to take your makeup artist platform and really focus on 
not just being, you know, having a big face, but also like your insides. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you don't know this. And, you know, I I decided today not to prep her because I just wanted to have not been prepped. She hasn't been prepped. At all. I am not a paid spokesperson. <laughs> she is. She is not knowing anything that's going on today. I just walked in, and um, a story is you were doing my makeup one time, and I did, I thought I was having a good day, and um, you were doing just extraordinary makeup, and I just kept talking about myself, and everything I said was so negative. Like I'd be like, "Well, my big ass eyes and my goofy ass this." And make this look good. And I don't want to look like I'm 100. And did it. and I just kept saying, I pointed out every flaw in literally I think I remember this two minutes. And you just <laughs> were like, dude, like, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, we got it. And without saying the word, she was like, you know, we got to get you elevated. You got to get your confidence up. And you was a big day too. We needed to release right and get to a higher frequency. You've always been so confident, and then you used your platform to also do this beauty inside and out. And um, I really, at that point, you know, once I went to therapy, then he confirmed. He was like, "You don't have confidence." And I was like, excuse me, I am C Devon. I'm popping all the boys like me or whatever. And then the more that he spoke and the more yeah. that I played back our conversation, I was like, oh, you lack confidence. And that's why the relationships that you are in are the way they are. And that's why you're doing this in your career. And that's why your health is not good because all these things lead to your confidence. So, yeah. One, thank you. You're welcome. For, yeah. High five. Thank you for, I love this lady. you know, pointing out that, you know, that I needed that confidence in myself because you were like, I see it. I don't know what you see, but I see a beautiful, strong, lovely person. You just kept pouring into me and I'm like, okay, what is, what's she just saying that? But you are just a beautiful, motivating person and Thank you, Thank you for that. And it goes to the topic, not really the topic, but three things I want to discuss. And it's the three C's. Three C's. Because you know I've spoken about the D. And oh, the girl. D, right. <laughs> Who knew we dated the same? No. <laughs> I had a little bit of that D, too. Right. You know, and I spoke about D, which was the depression I never wanted. And I wanted to go into the three C's that I feel are important for us to flourish because this show is about flourishing and having purpose within your career, your relationships, and your overall health. Yeah. So my three C's that we're going to talk about is confidence, confidence, of course, commitment, commitment, and consciousness. Oh, yes. So I, I broke I like it down into that commitment and confidence. Okay. And confidence. I could just throw that to you, and you can just go into that. Like so. Speak about confidence. Like you pour into people and it's like we can look in the mirror and there's times when I am just like, you are the most disgusting grease monkey slash like I just could look at myself and be like, who are you? I hate you. And how do you develop confidence where you can just literally just push that thing away from you to always just just to keep loving yourself unconditionally? I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's confidence is a muscle. Mm. Like I, I work in self-esteem education 
and I work with youth. I work with young women a lot. And they're very impressionable because they're still growing. So their Mm -hmm. muscles are very open to training because they're new. But then when you get to a point where you're in this kind of autopilot of life and you're like, it takes a little bit, you know, when you take that first yoga class and you're like, I don't even know what that muscle is, but I feel it and I'm feeling it more than I ever wanted to. What is it doing there? That's confidence in an adult's capacity. So it's like reconnecting with that muscle memory when mm. you when you. So at the end of the day, confidence is something that you train. Right. And things that you train are never finished training because at, at any point they can have like a remission of sorts. They can weaken, they can tear. Think of like athletes, how they have to rehab every few seasons because their their body is their instrument or whatever. Mm-hmm. So think of your confidence like that. So it's like you can't see it as either on or off. You have to see it as something that is actively being trained. So giving yourself grace in seeing your confidence as a spectrum as a, a instead of as a, like a light switch. Mm. So like there are days when I feel like super confident because I'm either really I'm walking in my truth or I feel like I'm creating something that's really connected to me. And there are some days where I wake up and I'm like, or I'm going to do this life thing today, Mm. but I'm probably (laughs) life thing. (laughs) I'm going to do this life thing, but I'm probably only operating at like a 70. Mm hmm. So then that's I, more than shit. I've been on all the zeros before. No, so 70s. Great. But think about it. If people expect 100 from you and mm-hmm. you're giving and you know all you have is 70, you have to mm. decide how am I going to show up? Because the, the expectations don't go away. The responsibilities don't go away. But you have to be OK with saying, how good can I be at 70? And I'm OK with my 70 because if the 70 is all I have, I'm going to be the best 70 I can be. So with the confidence kind of muscle, it's really coming back to understanding what's happening inside your mind and those kinds of triggers that then respond to outward stimuli. So I know that sounds kind of whatever, but in my head. No, that's amazing because there's things that I know I'm like triggery and then I'm like, you're ugly. You're stupid. Ah, Janae Aiko is not playing when she did that trigger freestyle Mm because that thing is like gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But that's about a man, but you can be triggered by a lot of things in your environment. Mm -hmm. So like for me, for instance, I know that I am an achiever and we come from Howard and there's this kind of part of our DNA that is really satisfied by being an achiever and having um, having a headline because when you run into achievers, it's always what's the latest thing that you've achieved. Ah. It isn't about, it isn't really about your body of work. It's really like, what have you achieved lately? And one of the things I had to reconcile with my confidence was when I didn't have a headline, I thought that I had no story to tell. And so, wow. <laughs> but I did have a story. It was just that I was break. I was limiting myself to the things that I could put in bold, the things that would sound flashy or or popping or whatever. And that's where I would steep my confidence. And so, the work that I have done, and I, you know, and for my personal work, I've developed work for other women. And so, like, it all came back to how I was, you know, affirming myself. And so I say, say self-talk is your 
is your GPS. Mm. So when you are navigating your confidence, no one, it doesn't matter what the world says to you because there, there is literally conversations about you constantly happening around you. But the loudest voice is always going to be the internal voice that says whether those things are valid or meaningful or even relevant in the, in the way that you're operating in the world. Mm. So like I created a curriculum that I've been doing um, this year around like self-talk and really understanding if we don't affirm our own value, then it doesn't really matter what other people do because the, our tape is louder than anybody else's. Right. So, you know, like to bring it to the music, like I love this quote from this India Ari song from her first album, she says, or well, from Get It Together, that's the name of the song. And she says, the words that come from your mouth, you're the first to hear. And in my mind, that always like kind of um, resonated with me because I was like, damn, it's not even enough that I'm getting, I got people that I think are going to be not like me. They ain't even started hating on me yet, but I think they might. So me creating this conversation of po the possibility of me not being enough was enough for me to stop any pursuit that would possibly show me differently. So it was like, I'm not operating in my greatest capacity just because I'm talking myself off the, you know, off the possibility before anybody else could. So it's like my enemy was not the haters because I didn't even mm -hmm. have, I didn't even do something to be hated on yet. Mm -hmm. I was, st I was stalling myself in neutral because of the possibility of that feedback that I didn't want to hear, mm -hmm. but I was giving it to myself. So how am I affirming my greatness or my, confidence bef before I even get on track to do something that can go one or two ways. We're always worried about failing, mm -hmm. but if you can't even start, you can't fail. Mm -hmm. But if you can't start because of your own dialogue, you're really putting yourself in this stagnant place and your confidence can't grow. It can't stretch. The muscle starts to atrophy mm. and it's like, it hurts like a cramp, Man. like a Charlie horse. That is powerful. I really like, what you said about confidence, like that's, that's real. Um, my, my question is like, as a person who I've always thought I've had, I've, I had confidence, but there's also like, um, a false confidence where you think that you are beautiful and you think that you are very talented and you think that you're very smart, very smart. But as soon as that door closes, you feel like you are, you don't have that. And um, I realized growing up that I just was very fearless and I had this false confidence. Mm -hmm. And the moment something small, just like that trigger that you said, yeah. as soon as it came about, it was like just a, um, you know, a glass house, like just a stone at a glass house, like boom, ooh, uh, everything down. Oh, I'm so, you know, like where did this confident person It's a house go? of cards. Right. It, it really is. And because it's not authentic, it doesn't, it's right. not grounded in anything. So it's like that imposter kind of thing. Like, I don't, I, I know that very well. Mm. I know like, you know, the girl who I'm going to, I'm going to create, I'm going to build up this, this shelter of confidence so mm. that I can hide inside of it, frail and withered and shaken and ashy. And <laughs> outside of this is this big strong veneer mm. but it ain't really it's it's poorly made it's like 
right manufactured Made all the way in China. Girl, it's like it's not even real. It's like the cardboard with the with the wood paneling on it. It's not gonna hand. <laughs> it's not gonna stand the test of time. It's like recalled by IKEA. Like it's just right. very faulty. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate thing with those with that type of approach to confidence is that when life happens, which it does, you're not going to be prepared to sustain the you know the tossing and turning of of what it's just gonna you know what what life is just gonna do Mm -hmm. and those moments of growth and stretching and it does you know you you never want to be um you never want to be unprepared it's like being out in the streets in a thunderstorm and you ain't got a stitch of an umbrella so you might as well just not play yourself with that newspaper it's not going to keep you dry so you feel me right 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 no, no, I, I, I love that. And um, I know for myself, once uh, I went to therapy and once I realized um, the, out, the external things that were uh, either affecting my, you know, affecting my confidence or realizing, like, I'm not confident about these things, um, it really helped me. Like, just for me, I was just like, okay, this relationship has to go because I'm not confident, not confident in the relationship, but I don't like your wondering ass eye and it makes me feel like I'm less of a person. Oh, that's weird. You need to leave and exit this this relationship. Because if that's happening, you gotta go. Trickery. Or what are you choosing? Like the thing is is like it's not the wandering eye that's making you feel less right. than it's that you don't you already have a scarce sense of self to begin with. So right. anything that someone does is gonna wreck back to your your minimalism of yourself. Right. So it's like we give a lot of power to people mm. when at the end of the day, it always comes home to whoever's kind of like, you know, the all powerful eyes, the man behind the curtain. And that's mm-hmm. ours. Like right. nobody's coming into our psyche and pulling, you know, messing with the, the the gears. It's it's really being shepherded by us, but it's an unconscious mm-hmm. thing. So, you know, when those kinds of relationships manifest, it become it comes out of our need to feel aligned with something but it always will come back and shine light on where we absolutely under because i never i know for me just to give an example i had never felt that way Mm -hmm. and i've never never and the moment i was like wait hold on and then just like you said just everything fell to shit so i was like what who am i which is not bad you know (laughs) no meltdowns look meltdowns are good Meltdowns are great. Okay, explain that. I mean, no, I I get what you're saying. I mean, I always think that, you know, you got to cleanse out things. You got to housekeep, you know. And, you know, until you take out the garbage. Until you do. (laughs) Well, I think it's an inventory. Like, it's taking inventory of things. And sometimes it really requires us to be still and be humbled. And sometimes it takes a meltdown to put us in a place where we'll mm. actually put on the brakes and do some, do some work. That's true. You know, cause oftentimes I just feel like we're running, <laughs> we're running against our own kind of self imposed timeline and mm-hmm. deadline. And it just makes us very um, disconnected from the moment. And, so, and when stuff rocks us and we find ourselves kind of out of sorts and we have a meltdown and we think, 
we failed ourselves. I actually think it's just kind of like, okay, I get it. I get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit my ass down. Right. And the meltdown really is the beginning of the buildup. Mm. So it's like once the meltdown, once you, once the dust settles and you are, what if you keep having meltdowns? Not, not for me personally, but I know some people that I'm like, here goes another meltdown. (laughs) Well, maybe the universe is basically saying like, you need a stronger tap on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I personally think that um, we don't get taken out of our groove unless it's absolutely necessary. Mm. Unless it's like imperative that we pull over to the side of the road. So if someone is having multiple meltdowns and really let's let's qualify a meltdown, a bad day or right. not feeling like not having a lit ass day is not a meltdown. Mm-hmm. Like I think one of the things people have to really get okay with is that emotions are are spectrums and like you're not always going to feel extremely happy. You're not always going to feel miserable. You're going to sometimes fall at different places along that spectrum and we get we can have grace with our emotions and be like, "Oh, guess what? This level of happy I can appreciate." And I can apply gratitude to, I think that's one of the biggest things that helps me with my emotional balance is practicing gratitude in moments Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where things are really bad, but also when, when things are super, super lit, because then I know that I always have a a, a humbling force that Mm. keeps me focused and I cannot, and I can avoid that self-pity because self-pity is like kicking it out around every corner of your meltdown. Self-pity is in there like he didn't took his shoes off. He looking at your refrigerator. He making a sandwich. <laughs> this fool is moving in. And self-pity is like the anti, it's like the the force that works the most against your confidence. Because if you feel sorry for yourself, that is almost like saying, I'm not grateful for anything that I have going on right now. Now, I thought about consciousness today because I was looking at a photo of myself. <laughs> And it was like a couple years ago. And I was like, was I conscious? I looked the hot ass mess. Oh, my God. <laughs> because it was really a mess. But it was also, I was all, now I then, in hindsight, I was conscious that I was always the same kind of creative, outside the box, always dressed kind of, you know, weird or whatever people thought it was, eccentric. weird or goofy, eccentric, you know, like all those, you know. I get it. But. The consciousness was is really something. I, I think I mature. It's a little bit slower than most people. And as I was in the corporate world, there were things that I was doing because I really wasn't mature enough. And now I'm conscious of, um, you know, I was not very good in meetings at times that, you know, people were, you know, trying to belittle me or go against me. And I, I just thought it was really good to keep it real. And we know as the black girl, keeping it real can go real wrong. <laughs> well, I'll say keeping it real never goes wrong as long as you're being authentic with yourself. Well, it's levels to it. No, no, no. No, I, 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 I that's one thing. I will always be authentic. I will always be authentic. But I would be like authentic, authentic. Like I was talking to you like, girl, that's mad phony. And, and it's funny because I don't even talk like that at you all. Popping but like, off. I would just totally go into like, 
Crystal from the Bronx and be like, girl, that's dumb as hell. Whoop, 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 wait, keep it in the inside. Not conscious, not conscious. But I mean, that's more of a funny story. But really, as far as we get to I like know about this meeting, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> when we go into this consciousness, it's how can we do this inventory, this inventory, this self inventory to really say, I'm conscious of things that are going on and really take control of that to flourish. You know, yeah. we know even if someone's saying, you know, when you look back at something and I saw something with makeup, since we are with a celebrity makeup artist, and I had all this flashback, which, you know, for the flashback, was you, you can't. Bake, ex- was you baking your life away? Can you explain what flashback is to people? It's sometimes it's just a reflection of light that comes from like, bouncing off of the makeup whether sometimes the makeup may be too light or or too heavy and it just bounces back and it looks kind of like so basically either when you have those kind of weird lines under you see people with those big light eyes or dark underneath their reverse uh, raccoon yeah it's reverse raccoon so basically so i'm looking at these photos and i'm like o m g why did anyone you know no one told me that i was looking like a hot mess but a lot of people do not want to pull people to the side and say, hey, girl, you know, you wear the blush is kind of you OD on it or like, you know, the flashback or, you know what, you look great. I love your confidence. But you know what? That outfit is not very flattering and that's subjective. It is. But like as a close friend, if you know that you are close to someone and you're like, yeah, girl, do it. And they look like a hot, you know, people look like a hot ass mess sometimes. And it's not your responsibility to be the hot mess queen. But when close friendships, we're not always like going to tell someone. But also to be our best friend, to be conscious of, hey, you're a hot ass mess. You're a hot ass mess. Let's fix this. Okay, two things with that. What picture were you looking at? (laughs) I have plenty of photos. It was like seven years ago, like flashback. And okay. normally I know what were you doing in the picture? I was just taking a photo with friends DJing. Okay. Two things. So take a second with this. Here's why I'm I'm asking you these details. Mm-hmm. Because my process of consciousness requires a, a few check check-ins on things. Because mm-hmm. I do the same thing because I I love Instagram. I love photos. Mm-hmm. Um People, if they Google some of my earlier makeup work from like 2005, I they probably would not book me today in 2019. <laughs> um, but evolution is is awesome, and and mm-hmm. keeping keeping mm-hmm. perspective is awesome. But the reason I ask where were you and what were you doing is because when I have moments of di- like self dissection, what pulls me back and what gives me value out of that is. First of all, what am I looking at? You were looking at you doing something mm-hmm. that people told you you couldn't do, that people told you you couldn't make money doing, mm-hmm. that people tried to dissuade you on, that corporate America would have had you second guessing. Mm-hmm. And who cares if your highlighter wasn't perfect? Mm-hmm. The reason being is because it was a moment that is a part of a larger story that is your triumph. You are a working professional DJ. You're sought after. You're inspirational. You're representing something that a lot of people don't see. And as much as you are looking at that flashback, Mm -hmm. there's someone saying, shit, 
she from the Bronx. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? She didn't even go to school for DJing. Like, she just, you know, she did that. Someone else is seeing the same picture and reading a completely different story. And I always say to myself, Dre, how dare you limit Mm. that moment to that? So that's how I check in on that because oftentimes I'm like, I mean, one of my biggest things, and I talk about this a lot, is that I had like a, I've had like a very interesting weight loss journey, and that's part of that's yes. tied to my congratulations. Um, yes, oh, thank you. The the, the, the free right. Well, I mean, I discovered I couldn't eat wheat. I went paleo. I got really into training. Weight has always been a struggle of mine since I was a child, but what I realized is it was one of my biggest. It was it was the biggest kind of hitch on the wagon of my self-esteem. So as long as my weight was under control, I was I was feeling great. But the minute that that would shake up, it was a slippery slope. Mm. So when I had a very strong, beautiful, like, story of Dre lost 80 pounds, she looking crazy, she got, you know, Bikini pictures in Hawaii popping up. People like, yes, what happened? Mm-hmm. And then um, I go through um, a mental health diagnosis that led me on a year of very interesting discovery and change and shifting, which resulted in me gaining like half of that weight back. Mm-hmm. And then having to explain to people, okay, so I'm not like lazy. But I don't want to tell you that I have like general anxiety disorder (laughs) and that I'm on medication that causes me to gain weight. And I'm actually not sure if I'm going to be able to lose the weight because I'd rather not feel crazy in my head. And we don't I don't even like to use the word crazy because I believe that mental health is just something that we all deal with. And if you have a diagnosis or you don't, you still got to deal with it. Mm -hmm. But so I would look at those pictures of me in my fit stage and I would be like, oh. I bet people, I don't want people to scroll back in my feed and see me at a size six and I just posted my size 12 again. Mm -hmm. What are they going to say? How are they going to feel? And then I would be like, wait, but where am I Mm -hmm. in this picture? Okay, Dre, I can't limit this moment to that. So if me posting a picture of me speaking and empowering women at a conference and I'm a size 12, and four years ago, I was a size six. I'm diminishing the fact that I was given that great opportunity Oof. to in, in, in inspire those women in that moment. And they do not care what my dress size is, nor does that change how I was able to feed them and how I was able to pour into their lives mm-hmm. and how it's not how I'm not sitting in an office somewhere diminishing my my gifts and feeling sad because I'm not doing what I want to do. Right. So it's just kind of like this. This con- being conscious isn't saying like it ain't about being woke. It's about being able to take inventory of things that you have to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Gratitude is like the fuel of confidence. And so if you constantly are in a process of checking in on things that you have to be grateful for and things that you have truly in progress it will take those moments of like, yeah, maybe you did have reverse raccoon, but for real, so has Halle Berry, Mm -hmm. you know, they've, they've tear, they've tear down Angela Bassett and Oprah and, you know, um, Serena Williams on the red carpet all the time. It doesn't change the fact that they're, 
they are leaders and getting awards and all yeah and changing the paradigm of women in the world as we know it i do not care if their under eyes are too bright Mm -hmm. that moment that one detail will be fleeting in the grand scheme of what they're creating in the world Mm -hmm. so so the third thing i said so we we spoke about confidence we spoke about consciousness and now it's commitment because kind of if you tie all them together commitment is really going to be the glue (laughs) is this when we talk about men (laughs) it is it's not we're talking about men but you know what it is because i'm looking at the sun Okay, I just want to make sure. Music, we can. men, and my mental. We didn't so, hit a yeah, couple exactly of with commitment. Let's break it down because in your career, like for me, I was all over the place when I first, um, you know, started working in this entertainment thing. Industry. I was in the entertainment <laughs> industry. I was doing. I was a door girl, and I was girl. an event planner, and I was DJing and going. Uh, I was singing. I was in Remember the them studio. nights at Wish 26? Listen. Ooh, child. I took you back, didn't I? Girl, they Girl. had some wings there. Yes. I can go back to Lotus days. Oh, Ooh. shit. Getting old. Ooh. Taj? Erase. Erase. Okay, sorry. No, no Taj. You said Taj? Didn't we say <laughs> What? I no. don't know. Because Taj, you know, Taj is still open. People be up in there. It used to be. As I mean, back in the day, we used to You know to what? It. We I, went everywhere. There were we, free wings. <laughs> Everywhere. At least I did. Right. This is true. It was it was so, function and it was, you know, it social. was a good kiki. Yeah. But as far as commitment with career, I had to really commit to saying this is what I want to do. And this is what I'm going to focus on yeah. because that's how I was going to thrive for me. Because when I was just spreading my love across, pause, spreading my love, <laughs> spreading, <laughs> spreading myself <laughs> across you know, the universe of these different uh, endeavors, I just wasn't giving as much as I could. Yeah. So when I, I knew I had many things and I know that I could never just do one. Well, now I do, you know, I focused on DJing. That's a whole other topic. But when I broke it down, I said, listen, all these little things, some are making money, some are just fun. Some are, yeah. I guess, for just being social. What are you going to do for money? And what are you going to do to make some form of happiness or passion. Mm-hmm. And I broke it down and I said, I'm committed to being to being an event planner and I'm committed to DJing on the side. And and until I can afford to be a DJ, hey, look at me now, you know, then I will go to an event planning job because I enjoy event planning and yeah. I'm good at it. I'm passionate you about were, it. You used to slay. Yes. I, I. You know what? I still be doing my events and stuff. I do it well, right, from you know, another topic. But I had to be committed. Yeah. And I know that I have commitment issues. <laughs> you know? Girl. Whether it's career, whether it's men, whether even if my overall health. Like how committed do you have to be to go to the gym? How committed do you, you know, even with commitment, when I had to do an evaluation of my relationships and not even pers- personal relationships, that's different. But think about it with men. Oh, yeah, romantic When it came to being committed to the fuck boy, I was like, I love him. He's so great. Because I subconsciously knew that it was going nowhere. So I'm all into, hey, I like him. He's so great. He's going to be my boyfriend. Because maybe <laughs> I just was, my commitment issue said, like him. We know it's not going anywhere. And then when... That's a safe space. That's a safe space. And then when a real one comes, I'm like, 
Oh, Lord Jesus. You talking about... Mm-mm. I said, got the hot flashes. Uh, That's wait, when you start trying to, sweat breaking. We trying to settle down. You know, girl, I think the one of his eyes is an inch off, bitch. Nope, I can't date him. You start thinking of things. So it goes back to really um, the maturity to be committed. Yeah. And that's where I said the consciousness, the, the confidence. confidence. You have to be committed to those things. But just speak about commitment in general with you. Like, um, well, I'm, I wouldn't say like, we're flourishing and we need yeah. to be. And commitment is one of the C's that we need to flourish. And I love that C. I love that C because that C is another muscle that I think when you, I mean, for me, I, when I was listening to your your, I want to say it was your testimony, but mm-hmm. the, the D that I didn't want, never wanted. That particular episode really spoke to me because I understand the hustle of being kind of a company of one, a brand of <laughs> right. one, a business of one. Um, I came into makeup and beauty very similarly to how you came into DJing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'll start with career because I think that that's the thing that I felt strongest with commitment about because I like I have always liked making my own money. I've worked since I was 13 years old. I lied about my age to get a waitressing job at 13. Mm-hmm. Where, where did you waitress at? I, I wait tables at a bingo hall in Virginia Beach, Virginia. <laughs> and my mom made me quit. Because first she of all, was she like, wasn't. you smell like booze at 13. No, and that's my weird. mom, the only reason she let me go is because it was her bingo hall and she knew that okay. she would see me occasionally. But it was down the street from the house, too. But in the grand scheme of things, she just knew how committed I was to figuring out how to support myself. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was like yelling out orders. I literally my sister and I shared a room and she told my mom that I yelled out egg salad on white in my sleep one night (laughs) and my mom made me quit like that very next weekend and I was tight because those bingo ladies be having knots like they be peeling off you were caking at bingo they get a small coffee and they be like here baby you put that in your pocket that's right because they just won they be having dough they just got their check cash that is like the equivalent to being like the the casino waitress a cocktails they literally <laughs> coffee all egg these, sandwiches <laughs> these bingo ladies all they needed was they needed to fuel their they needed to be alert so the coffee needed to be hot so they can hear their numbers don't let them sleep they bingo because they then they then you're not getting a tip you ain't getting a tip but I neither lost. here nor there it started with the fact that i just like making my own money so work never was a problem i came into entertainment working in television i had this superman clark kent thing day job hustling on the weekends oh, yes and then, you know, you know, the last six or seven years I've been fully vested in my beauty career. But taking that leap and trusting yourself, trusting yourself is also a form of commitment. I did not know until I literally just walked out on the skinniest, shakiest branch in that tree to how to trust myself. Because while I was in the comfort of a corporate job with benefits and kind of that security blanket I never fully had to commit to anything I was just like look I got a job I work at MTV I work at Bravo I have like I was feeling very much Mm -hmm. like this is all I need to be happy um but what I do what I did learn in the transition is that if I don't trust myself no one will trust me and in my career trust and relationships are all you have 
Mm-hmm. If your clients trust you, they will book you. If your producers can 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 have confidence in your consistency and your delivery, they will book you. They have to trust you, but if you don't trust yourself, you're not worth a damn. So I had to really start investing in committing to certain things that I knew would make me steadfastly bookable. Mm-hmm. So that was one, not being an imposter makeup artist, I actually had to really study and really get good at my job. And it wasn't easy because I was still trying to make six figures at an office and then put time into that. Um, So that was one commitment I had to make too. I also had to commit to being able to tell people I'm a makeup artist. I had to stop one day. Mm. I'm sure you understand in the sense like there might've been one day where you'd be like, oh, I kind of DJ sometimes. And then there's a moment that you say, I am a DJ. And when right. I stopped saying I do Ooh, makeup. You hit a nerve with that one, yes. But you feel me? Like, I went from saying, oh, I do makeup to saying I'm Dre Brown, I'm a makeup artist. And it, it for me, again, the words that come from your mouth, you're the first to hear. When I would hear that, there was a moment when it stopped feeling strange. And that's when I knew that my commitment was, was resonating in myself because I was like, yep, I heard that right. I didn't stutter. I'm a makeup mm. artist. So then that kind of manifests in a lot of ways. And so once I committed to that, I really believe that it made other people trust in me because they saw that I trusted in myself. But then going on to commitment with other things like weight loss. Working out is tough. I wasn't an athlete growing up. I mean, I was a cheerleader, but that was as far as it went. Not to say that cheerleaders aren't athletes. They will whoop your ass. But one of the things (laughs) is... I just never had that much discipline. And I feel like athletes and people, they grow up with that discipline. And working out and being committed to a healthy lifestyle required discipline I had never had before. I had a trainer, and she really instilled that in me because she basically said, this is not, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Your life is a marathon, not a sprint. So if you start with a small commitment that you're not wavering on, one day you're going to be able to take on a really big commitment and you're going to look at yourself and be like, that wasn't hard at all. Mm. So I had to train that commitment muscle. I had to trust that if I stayed the course that I would get the results that I so desperately wanted. Now that athlete thing that, that hit home because I, I was not an athlete as well, but I was a dancer Mm-hmm. Um, that requires a lot. So of it, it does require some discipline and commitment. But the thing about, you know, it's, it's result oriented as well. You know, if mm-hmm. you're like, dang, I wasn't as good as other people, but it's way more easier to um, like, I guess what with being an athlete or athleticism is like it's a score, you know, where internally as a dancer, you're like it's subjective. You're like, well, those girls are so much better. Their leg goes higher or they mm-hmm. look better doing this. You know, and it goes back to the confidence thing. and um, But it does have a level of discipline in order yeah. to, you know, be good at what you do. But um, if I can go back in, you know, in time, I would definitely <laughs> have a little bit of an athlete, uh, you know. I, I, I would wish my, I would put myself in some, like, athlete, you know. You know what, but, I, but think of it, like, I think of everything as, if you if you just approach it. So, you may have not been an athlete, but... Being like making sure that you know, like you're listening to all the dope new music. You're 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 digging through the crates. You're mm-hmm. listening to every mixtape. That is almost like a, the same discipline that 
you know, an athlete is going and getting up at 5 a.m. to to train every day because you know that your access to information or your access to your craft is only limited by how much effort you put in. And so that's kind of how I was feeling. Like I was like, okay, if I'm going to be a makeup artist in New York City when there are millions of them out here vying for some of the same jobs, what is my distinction? And my distinction was always that I realized that I had more than what was in my kit to offer. And so I committed to creating an experience when I was on set or when I was with clients that I knew was endemic to Dre and was something Mm. that I could commit to being consistent around. So that was the only thing that, that really helped me solidify, you know, my space there and then when it comes to relationships for me it wasn't even like I'm not a commitment folk when it comes to relationships or anything like that but what I did learn is I learned a lot about why I sought connection and I was committed to one of the recent commitments I really enjoyed was committing to spending time by myself Mm -hmm. and I never wanted to be alone. I never wanted to spend time alone. I always remember I used to throw a house party a week. Right. And it, right. and I looked back at one point and I was like, am I doing this because I really want to? Or am I doing this because I just don't want to be by myself? Mm. And part of it was I had to admit that I really didn't know if I would be comfortable just with myself in my silence with my thoughts Mm -hmm. and I've been spending a lot of time committing to that so now I feel like when I get in a relationship I actually I know how good my company is because I've enjoyed it by myself Mm -hmm. so when someone else gets to enjoy it I'm like "Mm -hmm, it's good right yeah Right. So (laughs) you've cultivated your experience by being by yourself. Okay, cool. Fine tuned. Yes, I like it. Yeah. I like it. That, you know, we chopped them C's. We chopped them C's up. Three C's (laughs) confidence, consciousness, and commitment. I really like that as far as, you know, because it's all about your career relationships and overall health. And that, I think those three C's are really um, good takeaways, you know, to flourish. Why don't we share? our own stories of career relationships and overall health war stories yeah so when i say war i'm From like the front lines it could be funny it could be worst it could be just uh, something that sticks out to you because at the end of the day when something goes bad you do learn a lesson you learn a hell of a you lesson. know whether the relationship was abusive whether the job paid you shit but you learned a lot there is a lot of there's there's lessons in in, in Everything, you know. So um, with the career, (laughs) I want to go through like what's your war story, memorable or crazy like career story that you have. Oh, you want mine first? Okay, I can go first if you want. You need a second? I told you I didn't prep her on anything because I wanted us to just talk and be organic. And I'm like, dang, how could she come up with this on the fly? She's so smart. Oh, thank you, friend. You're welcome. Um, career war stories. It doesn't have to be in the career that you are in now. No, okay. Well, here we here it is. Um, it's not a war story, but it it it, it involves all three of the C's today because mm-hmm. never ever think that when you miss an opportunity, that is a it is a complete stop to a journey it actually is probably just a really creative detour 
So for instance, I was working um, in television, um, I believe it was 2011, and I had a really great job, and I um, was working for a major network, and it was just like, everyone was like, oh my God, Dre, you're doing so well. I was I was actually one of the youngest people to hold the position I was holding, and I was a black woman, and I was like, you know, bossing out, making deals, and all that good stuff, and I was really cultivating my love with beauty. Like I had my side hustle. I was doing makeup here and there, but it was bigger because I really, I'm a storyteller. I have a degree in journalism from Howard. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to use my voice for something. So I had started my natural hair journey and I had started um, blogging for a website. And I was like talking about how I shaved my head and I was going natural and all this stuff. And it was very new at the time. And that was just, it was just me kind of practicing, um, telling stories, but it actually turned into a really crazy, amazing opportunity that offered me the chance to move to LA. Mm. So I was working in New York and I was like, what? Like this is before the word influencer was used. So (laughs) I didn't know what it really was, Uh but I would say that I had the opportunity before it was a thing to become an influencer, but I didn't know that that was what it was going to be. And, um, I got an offer to come to, to LA and I, at the same time, I had an offer from another network from a, from a boss who was a huge advocate of mine, who was like, look, come work for me. She put a number on a piece of paper and I was like, yo, you sure you didn't miss a decimal point or something? And so I, I went to L.A. and I did an event for this website that I um, was writing for. I hosted it. It was just kind of like a really magic moment. Mm-hmm. And I had never been in a room that big, had that many people looking at me, had that many people hearing and really seeing Dre. Mm-hmm. And it was euphoric. And so I come home with an offer from this place saying, look, we have an opportunity here. You can come out here. We can't pay you what you're going to make in your current job. But this is a really great space to start. We could do some dope shit. I did not. Take, I did not take the job. I was terrified. I made up all these excuses why L.A. was not for me. I had mm-hmm. the whole story written, casted, <laughs> pilot shot, everything. Gotcha. It was running. So I took a I took the corporate job. And the money was wonderful. I got to work at another really dope network. And I was going into this job. And on the first day at this job, something in my spirit was really screaming that this was not where I was supposed to be. And you know me. We've known each other very long. It's not that I am liked by everyone that meets me, but I've never met a stranger. And I usually have a really easy time adapting in social and in group environments. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, That's a skill. I couldn't find a friend in this company. What? I couldn't. I was, this is crazy for, for her. You like see why she this is the war literally, story? like, is loved by everyone. <laughs> and I really, and I, and I received that, but I really, that's, that's something that was very jarring for me. Not because I expected to come in and be the cool kid, but I just, I love advocacy and connection. And I was feeling very isolated. And I said, oh, so I said yes to this money. I said yes to this opportunity. I said no to this beautiful, unknown question mark opportunity. And now I feel like I am alone in the middle of this very confusing place. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Mm -hmm. But 
I can't let the world know that I feel shaken by this. I got to show face. So it was a really hard adjustment because I was like, I felt like I could do the job, but then I was like, I've never done my job without a feeling of community. And I was literally rowing by so myself. You do? So I made a, <laughs> a conscious decision that I would leave that place. Oh, um, so you quit? urgently. Oh, no, I made a plan because again, remember oh. I was telling y'all, I got this thing where I don't like being broke. Hey, so I made an exit strategy, which I always tell people, Every time I do an entrepreneurial conversation or talk or anything, I'm like, never, ever fear taking a leap, but know that a leap has an exit strategy. Mm. So I, I started saving every dime I could. I didn't know when I would leave, but I knew eventually that seat would get so hot that my ass would run hey. out the first window. And I did. And it took me about 18 months to... You know, Bill, I, what I know now is I was cultivating a, a, a tribe and a community that would then turn into the platform that I've been building my self-esteem and motivational work on wow. now. But that was 2013. So okay. it takes time. But I knew as soon as it was like week two, I was like, this ain't going to work. Mm. It was like being in that relationship where you were like. Oh, he cracks his toes. This is not happening. Right, right, right. <laughs> Worse right. than that, but I had an exit strategy. So what I committed to to get back to commitment was every day that I went in there, I either knew that I was going, I was going to cry myself home, you know, to sleep oh, no. that night because I felt so depressed, or I was going to find some joy in every day that I went in there. And I and I did have support, so I don't want people to think I didn't have it. But it was just so much of a fish-out-of-water experience mm. that I needed to feel like a fish-out-of-water because I needed to go and swim somewhere else. So mm. I like that. That was my war story. So did you ever go to L.A. for that? Like, did you ever think about, I continued like working with the company okay. for a while, and they were really supportive, and they understood. I mean, the thing about it is, I still reached the moment where I got to create the kind of content that I would have. Mm -hmm. It took a long, it took a little while longer. Right. And, and maybe you weren't ready at that time. Maybe and not, I honestly don't think it. I was, mm -hmm. I think I needed to do some more self work and a whole lot more, um, growing and trusting myself and being disciplined. And it came. Good. I like that. So I have lots of heartbreak stories, mm -hmm. but I will tell you the most triumphant war story from my relationship history. And it's when I, <laughs> and you're going to laugh at me, Crystal, because you know me, you've known me years and you know me now and you know me in this space, but I'm like, look at, I'm like, a, it, was my imaginary about, it was like, exactly 10 years ago. Okay. And I was hard bent on marrying this preacher oh my <laughs> i Hallelujah. knew that you i knew you were gonna laugh because you're like dre you do not look like nobody's first lady but you know no um, because you have such a motherly spirit about you that i think you would flourish as the first lady of the tabernacle <sighs> honey no it was not gonna happen um <laughs> i i get a paper cut handing out a daily bread and then it'd be over with um but not for any other reasons. Like, I think, you know, preachers and, and spiritual leaders are wonderful. This was just a particular relationship where I did not, I think I was enamored with the vision that he wanted to build. And I did not realize that I was being 
utilized instead of partnered with. And Ooh. I don't ever want to ever because this person I'm is like literally writing that down. Like, wait, because there's a Am but I, I being utilized. We the thing is, it's like we we you. I I hate to use that word use because I think that it 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 has a bad connotation to make make it like there's no mutual benefit. Mm-hmm. But when you're utilized, you're it's it's like you just utilize this pen. You may not think about this pen after that moment, but when you needed it. It was there and you took value in it. But t- when we're done with this podcast and we're over doing whatever, you're not going to be thinking about this nice pilot, signal, uniball, whatever. You're not going to be thinking about it because it was utility for you. It wasn't, you didn't partner with this pen to create anything. Ooh. And so this relationship, I realized I had steeped so much value in it because it was like a love and basketball story. It was a guy okay. I, I fell mm-hmm. in love with at summer camp when I was 11 years old and we reconnected. And he's a good person, but I think we both were fighting these kinds of narratives. Like he had a narrative that he needed to commit to that made him feel his best and I had this narrative too and at that time I thought my narrative was that I just need to be that partner to that strong man and it was because I had a lot of insecurities in myself and Mm -hmm. he was a comfort because he did not he didn't shine a light on them but he also didn't heal them either so I realized that when we were together it was all about his vision and it was all about what I needed to, One-sided. what I could do to, to water the, the, the soil that he was tilling. And so when it came time for our relationship to break, I mean, I didn't see nothing. It was just mm-hmm. all about him. My mother even said to me, she said, I said something to her one time and she knew it was going to end badly. And she said, she said a prayer. She was like, Lord, just cushion her fall. She was like, cause Ooh. it's going to be a long one. And when it went down, this man told Mama's me, no best, honey, this okay. man told me. And in so many words, I mean, he might be listening. I don't know. But he told me um, as we were having one of our wonderful trips together, um, which I thought might be the trip when the question got popped. I mean, oh, I had, don't even go into those. I really was stories. thinking I was Lord. like, let me get my nails done because it might be going down. Um <laughs> But, you know, in that moment when I thought that that was going to be our outcome, he told me that, you know, the Lord had told him I was not his wife. And therefore, that was the end of our story. But it wasn't. What? It wasn't. It wasn't. That that hits way different. No, but it was really hits different is two months later when his his engagement to another person was announced on Facebook. Because the Lord told him. Because that was that was the that that, was that that was his wife. Girl. Oh, you know what? This is gonna be using that for now. What the Lord told me, you know what, sis. And I mm -hmm. let me tell you, for everyone who's listening, I am not trying to be little or make light of his spiritual conversation with whoever was guiding his thoughts. But my thing was, dude, you you squeezed every possible drop of juice out of this lemon, and then decided it was time for you to build somewhere else, and. Mm. It was, I I really saw at the end of the day that I let it, I literally, I gave him the executive Costco membership, let him roll his little big ass cart all through every <laughs> aisle and just rack up everything. And I, I never held him accountable 
for being my partner. So therefore, I did you let him in is a better question because that really struck a chord because I utilize if you are you date me, I'm like you signed up for this. You we are utilizing each other and partnering. You know what? I like the word utilize because I was like. I am going to utilize you, but you can utilize me. When you say partner, I, I, I've heard like, oh, I want a partnership. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know if the thing, let me think about that. But, <laughs> but, but, but I like, I really do like this because it's, it's, I, I like the wording of it and I, and I, and, and I see where you're going with it. And a lot of relationships are just, they, they, they can be very uneven. It's just, it is what there it is. There is no even. Right. And also one person decides, well, your vision is more important or you need more. And yeah. then they forget to open up about theirs or they're like, I'm the private person. Or, I always have it together. And then they realize they're pouring into the person and they're like, dang, they didn't even ask me about, you know, the bills being paid for this company or my, my job because you never offer it anymore. It's yeah. always about me. And I'm so used to after the first three months saying, how was your day? And you go, meh. And then, I'm like, all right, he just doesn't want to talk about his day. This is this is what we're doing. Well, everyone's not in the same season at the same time. Right. But where I know that I know that I was being utilized because at that point, I didn't give myself a greater vision for myself as a partner beyond being a good man's wife. Mm hmm. Mm. It wasn't that mm. I made it very easy for him to, to get utility out of me because I never required anything beyond that. I never even articulated my vision. Everything that I'm doing now, he never, I mean, was all seed. They were all seeds back then. This is 10 wow. years ago. But I would, I, I, it was just, baby, what you want to do? Okay, I think that sounds great. What about this? So because I just wanted to be needed and I wanted to be a part of a bigger picture, and at that point, I was just so open because never mm-hmm. in my life had I had anyone make me a part of their story. Mm-hmm. It was always like it, it felt I felt like I was being cast in a role of a lifetime when, in fact, it was the it was a complete total Ooh. wrong script for me. But then I think back now and I'd be I mean, me and my girlfriend that was one of the friends that literally watched me as I cried on the floor. <laughs> Uh girl snotting and everything like i'm gonna just let you do it i'm just gonna sit here until (laughs) you're finished doing it she literally didn't even talk to me she sat there for hours and i almost thought she had left but she's like no i'm still here she and i laughed because she's like dre you would have been in some positions and in some spaces where the Dre now would have woken up in that moment and been like, what the hell? Literally in the middle of the church, what the hell am I doing here? Mm -hmm. And not for any other reason than it just not, it's just was not my Mm. assignment. It wasn't my story. Because sometimes you do, you don't want to hear the words. You're not ready to receive it. You're in the pain. Uh, you know, you can't be like, I am better than that. You're like, I'm hurting. You know, so yeah. sometimes as friends, we do have we do have to listen. So that's really important. That She gave you know, me no. She gave me no. She didn't even talk shit about him or nothing. All she wow. said was, this is bad. We're going to figure out a way out of this. But in the moment, just get all that out. Get it. Get be be in it, because tomorrow we're doing something else. And it mm. was funny because that's how I started my vintage. My, remember when I used to flip yes. vintage clothes? Literally, that was my love hangover business. I said, she said, Dre, 
what do you like more than being sad? I said, making money. <laughs> and she said, let's go figure out Can you repeat that for the people in the back? One more time, did she, you say? She said, Dre, what do you like more than being sad right now? I said, making money. But she Listen, knew, and, I, and it's not in a materialistic way. She just said, Dre, one thing I know you'll always do is find your hustle again. And my hustle led me to a breakthrough because when I found a way to redirect that energy, it was it was healing. Balancing your career relationships and <laughs> overall health one day at a time. That is really dope. I like that. So let's um yeah. Wrap it up with health. My emotional health growth started when I was basically in a really popping period of my life. I was like mm-hmm. Looking good, cheekbones chiseled with no contour. Like I was looking, I had like Angela Bassett arms. I mean that figuratively because I don't think anybody can really have her arms. It's just impossible. (laughs) But I was feeling good physically. I was like, my career was blossoming and I just could not muster a joyful moment and I was like am I not grateful that was the last thing I did I just hated not feeling grateful because I was Mm. like there are people who don't even like their jobs who are just grinding it out and punching the clock and I'm out here doing some passion work and living my dream and I can't be grateful for that and I had to realize that being emotionally stable doesn't mean there's a lack of gratitude. There's actually chemical things happening in my body. So I went to my doctor and I literally was like, okay, this is what I feel like. The ground won't stop shaking. I have a million racing thoughts. Um, I'm not sleeping well. I find myself isolating myself and just like being lethargic. And, And part of those manifestations I was like you know am I sick do I have like do I need to take vitamins in my top yeah I really you have to to look into those I was like am I physically not doing because I was really getting in shape but I was like maybe I should be eating better maybe I need to take a supplement right and she asked me she she was like she said um are you depressed I was like no we don't do that see we don't do that deep and she said No, seriously, she's like, have you lost interest in things that you once were really passionate about? This is your general doctor. This is my PC, my primary care doctor. And I said to her, um, I was like, you know, I just, and then I'm in her office and I just lose it. And I was like, she was like, it's okay. And I had a very, my doctor is a G and she's like, grabs the tissue and she's like, yes, she says so. Mm-hmm. I want you to go see this person and I'm going to give you a prescription for this. And so oh, instantly I was like, no, because the diagnosis is very real. Right. Like there are times when we can be like, I'm depressed. But then depression is an actual condition. And when someone puts that, like writes that down for you and says that that's yours. It's like, I don't know if I want this, Mm. but it Mm -hmm. really required me to be like, okay, Dre, this is real. What do we get to do about it? So I just really embraced that. I had a shift in my body and my brain and in my emotional um, ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And there was something that could help me fix it. So I didn't really feel strange about medicating. I did feel like 
oh, this is going to be a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to take this for like two got weeks. You. And then I, I'll call you. You ain't got to oh, refill that's, that. That's me all the time. I, I always cut Girl, stuff off. Girl, right? I love my meds. <laughs> I was just listening to the read and she's like, yo, y'all need to keep me on meds. That I, I am very sane with them. And I was like, you know what? I, get, I, I, I do not have, them. I'm not prescribed any medication and, I, and I'm not against it. I, I definitely tried today to be like, I can't focus. And she's like, but you ain't ready for Adderall. And I'm first like, that's why I don't like you. Just first of all. But, really. but I will say like, it's not a war story. But okay. I will say that the moment I was going to, uh, I was in my shower preparing to go do a photo shoot. And it was in Brooklyn. I live in Harlem. And I was like, oh, it's going to take me this long to get there. Mm-mm. And I'm in the shower. And I felt like, you ever been on the subway mm-hmm. platform? And you can, you can, the light in the end of the tunnel hasn't quite shown up. But you can feel the train coming under your feet. Right, right, right. That was the feeling I had 24 hours a day. Okay, yeah. And so I'm in the shower and I just feel like I can't find solid ground. Like and it, it felt like it was physically shaking. Physically. Gotcha. And so that's was so when I went to my doctor and I explained that experience mm-hmm. to her, this is when she, this is when I had that little doctor's office um, breakdown, was she says, this is like a sense, you know, this is generalized anxiety, which gotcha. I had never heard that term and I realized it's something that a lot of women suffer from. There are things like it's a difference between generalized anxiety and having like a panic disorder. And these are all things that people don't talk enough about mm-hmm. so that when you have it, you think that it may be one of two extremes. But having that moment and explaining that I'm good, but I'm never good. I'm in a constant state of anxiety or a constant state of worry or mm-hmm. fret or physical discomfort from just racing thoughts and my overwhelm with certain things in life. And I had triggers for that. Um, but it that was a shoot. I went to that shoot. I called my, my, my sister and she's like my best friend and like literally is like a champion for my mental health. Good. Thank you, sis. And I was like, I got to go to this job. And she's like, do you have to go to this job? And I said, yes, I, 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 I you know, I do not. I don't flake on my work. She says, OK, so can you take. 20 minutes with me and just breathe with me and then we'll oh, get wow. you then we're going nice. to get you to this job. So she said, "Guess what's at this job? Your piece is at this job." And so I went and I did this shoot and it was so therapeutic. Okay. Good. But it oh. wasn't I went into it after I had gotten myself grounded because literally I was like, how am I going to put makeup on this girl's face with my hands shaking like this? All that to be said is a long drawn out story, but that was my war story. That was the moment when I said, you know what? This is just not my nerves. As we used to say back in the day, this isn't just right. My nerves. Oh God. Mama's used to say that girl, my nerves bad. Oh no. Yes. (laughs) Let's get to the issue of what your nerves is doing. Yes. I don't like that term. You know what? So how can we find you? Um, um oh um DreBrown.com or on Instagram. I am at DreBrownNYC or MUA underscore Dre. Those are my two main accounts. So you can yes. slide into my DMs. Slide into DM. She you can book her for professional makeup, speaking engagements, etc. She may, she's on every panel working with all the brands, motivating <laughs> all the beautiful people and just people. Everyone's beautiful, but motivating people in general. 
Um, thank you guys for tuning in to thank another. You, thank you, music men and my mental. And we had so many other war, war stories to go into, but I really appreciated her um, sharing her journey and her stories. So thanks for tuning in at music men and my mental. You can follow on Instagram, Twitter, everything. And, you know, and make, sure you, and make sure you email us because we, we do have listener, um, you know, stories to share and give advice on. But I wanted to just go into your war stories and they were even better than I could imagine. Some of the, you know, <laughs> the, the, the questions that we have. So thank you for tuning in. I'm C. Devone. Uh, thank you so much, Dre Brown. And we You're will welcome. see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.